brown chicks changing the face of therapy on both, both sides, sides of the couch. Of the couch. Welcome, I always welcome, try welcome. to hype Ebony up with that part, y'all, and it, I think she does it on purpose. She At least the hype man of the group. I'm not the hype man. <laughs> I'm not the hype man. I'm just here, so I don't get fired. I'm just playing. I know. <laughs> I'm not the hype man. Yes, yes. Well, I got enough hype for both of us. And Ebony definitely hypes us in her ways. And she also helps keep me grounded. So anyways, <laughs> as I was saying, we are Melanin in Mental Health. And we are kicking off BIPOC Mental Health Month. That's right. It is BIPOC Mental Health Month all of July. And we are going to be coming to you live every Monday every Monday talking about different topics to address your mental health. One of the things that we hear often is that I can't afford therapy or people that are still not, they're still not necessarily on that, that process of their healing where they want to see a therapist, but they do want to care for them, their mental health. And the thing is not everybody has access to therapy, especially access to black or brown therapists, right? Because that is what we specialize in. We specialize in connecting our communities to black Latinx therapists, to people from our communities, because they understand the cultural nuances that, uh, that also impact our mental health, right? So how do we do this? We do this through our social media. We do it through our online directory of therapists. If you haven't visited it, I don't know why, but <laughs> melaninandmentalhealth.com. But this is another way that we serve our community is by giving you all resources. So again, today we're going to be talking about, well, you know, what if I can't afford therapy? I can't afford therapy. Now what? So I'm just supposed yeah. to not do anything about my mental health? I mean, right. listen, inflation is high. <laughs> right. It's the thing. And I think one of the things that we talk about often is the fact that while we are therapists and we completely support therapy and, and try to encourage most people to at least have some experience in it, because um, we believe everyone needs to go to therapy, you don't need to be in crisis to go to therapy. We also understand that your mental health journey doesn't have to start with therapy. It doesn't have to be, okay, I know I want to like grow or heal or whatever. That means I need to find a therapist. It, it, it may not be um, the right fit for you right now for many reasons, including the fact that you may not be able to afford the resources of the therapists that are around you at this time. Yeah, yeah. And because we also understand that there are many paths to healing, right? Yes, we are huge proponents of therapy. We are trying to shift the narrative around therapy and how our communities view it because a lot of us are resistant or I won't say resistant, um, a very have a healthy skepticism about right. mental health field and that is completely yeah. understandable because Ebony and I talk about it all the time the mental health field as we know it today was not created for us and if anything in many situations has caused harm to our communities with um, improper diagnoses um, uh, minimizing, right? Like minimizing of stressors that uh, actually uh, are harmful to our mental health, to our stress. So we recognize the healthy skepticism. And again, you know, the narratives in our families around what therapy is and who it's for. So we get right. that. And we also recognize that there are many paths to healing. But as I, as I said, you know, what we're trying to do is shift the narrative and to, for you all to be able to see that there are therapists from our communities out there. Are we 
far and few in between like yes there we wish there were more and that's part of what we're trying to do is get more of us you know on that other side of the couch you know to be able to get more therapists in the therapist chair um but until then we still have to be proactive about our mental health and caring for our mental health and the way ebony and i see it like this is part of our resistance right like caring for ourselves in a world that is just you know just every day there's something new to really break yeah. down our spirits our souls our mental health like this is part of our resistance so let's get into it ebony i'm gonna start with yeah. you okay? Okay. okay so let's say i come to you and i say well ebony i can't afford therapy mm -hmm. what am i supposed to do the first thing i say to do is, is definitely get clear on why you thought you, why you feel like it's time for you to go, go through that journey right because i feel like sometimes especially with therapy becoming kind of trendy, right? Everybody, all the, the um, celebrities and artists and actors are all talking about, oh yeah, I have a therapist. And now it's becoming like a thing where everybody feel, feels like they need a therapist. And I'm not saying no, everyone doesn't. Because again, everyone I feel like should experience the, the power of therapy and having a safe space for just you. But I would start with getting clear on why you want to start this journey because that can help you in knowing what other resources are available to you right if it's just like oh i'm just gonna go to therapy because i feel like i should like that's great and maybe you need to talk to someone to kind of process like what should you be working on are there things that you do need to heal but really sitting down and understanding like what do i need to work on because then that can guide other resources outside of therapy right that can guide what else can i look for if i know that i need to work on um healing from trauma from my childhood if i know i need to work on um developing healthy relationships with friends family romantic partners then if you know that, then it helps guide in what resources you can find versus just kind of not knowing where to start, right? And so getting clear on what you are seeking from therapy and really taking an analysis of your life. In, if you've done anything that I've ever done with Melanie Mitchell for personally, you know, I always talk about self-analysis. Where am I at right now, right? What do I need to work on? What do I want to be different? And then that helps in, in finding the resources outside of therapy that maybe you can start working on before you go into a therapist's office. Yeah, I, and I think that's true for anything that we set out to do is that clarity, right? Yeah. Like, so what what is it that I need, right? Like, what are the steps that I can take in order to to maybe get that me that need met? Which for me, really, that self care. You know, I I, I often say like for me, self care is that ongoing monitoring of yep. our needs our mental needs our physical needs our emotional needs etc cetera, etc cetera. like being aware monitoring them and then taking the steps necessary necessary in order to meet those needs so i love that you know start off with clarity what is your why right like what yes. is your why yes. and i like what you said in that like this is going to give us some clarity around what type of resources for us to search out and and listen there is a huge self-help field right? like it yes. is a huge field for a reason because bibliotherapy works right yes. like, depending yes. on where you're at in your journey there are so many wonderful books out there and i i myself i talk about this all the time i love 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 audiobooks right so yes. There are so many books out there that you can that are designed for people who are where you're at or to enhance um 
your mental health journey that can give you not only give you some insight into, as to what's been going on. One of my favorite books that I often recommend to clients, um, there's so many, but a couple of them, one of them is What Happened to You uh, by Dr. Bruce Perry and uh, Oprah. Mm -hmm. It's like, I feel like everybody should read this book because we all have some level of trauma. And the and I've, I've given this, you know, I've suggested this to clients and they read that book and they're like, oh, so you just put language to what right. I've been living with this whole right. time. And that alone, that alone is so affirming and so validating and, and is healing in it of itself. Right. Um, and I love what Oprah, like Oprah's part in that is that she talks, she speaks to her experience. She speaks to her trauma growing up. So it really sounds like a conversation. Um, the other book that I love that I always recommend to clients also with um, involving trauma is My Grandmother's Hands. Um, oh my goodness. This book again, and part of what I love about that book is um that he gives exercises and resources and, pra and practical tools that you can do to address your trauma, yes. right? Because what we know is that trauma gets stuck in our bodies. And I am a somatic therapy junkie. <laughs> like, I could, like, I could just, like, eat that up with a spoon anytime that I get an opportunity to learn or to talk about it. And so the, the, the focus of that is healing in somatic ways. So my grandmother's hands, another must have, um, there's so many uh, that are there, but yeah. So bibliotherapy, start, start with books, audiobooks again. I'm putting them yes. up, I'm doing the dishes and I'm listening. On a commute, now that we're all back in the office and um, your commute to work and able to listen. That is funny because that goes right into my next one, which is how do we, we often are people that take in a lot of information, right? We're taking a lot of, we'll listen to podcasts, we'll read books, we'll watch videos. We're taking a lot of information and, and my next one is to pause and then do the activity, like you said. A lot of these books, a lot of these self-help books actually have, hey, do this journaling for a week. Um, answer these questions and really sit down and process. Um, take stock of what you have, all of that. And sometimes we just keep reading, right? We just keep going because we're just trying to finish the book. We're just trying to finish the podcast. And I think really taking the time to put time in between any information that you're taking in, whether that's book, podcast, or whatever, and actually put it into action is a huge part of it. Because I feel like we read, you know, oftentimes we just say, oh, yeah, I read this book and I read that book. It's like, okay, so how did that help you? And it's like, oh, it's good information. Or <laughs> I really, I have, it's a book, um, what is the name of it? Uh, walking on eggshells, right, around boundaries oh. and things like And they'll say, like, oh, the first half was so good. Like, I resonated. That's exactly what we go through. Okay, so what about the second half when it says, you know, it starts to tell you how to implement boundaries and things like that. Oh, well, that part I, I had a hard time with because they never put it into practice, right? Because it feels like, okay, I've read the book. Now I have the information, so I should be good to go. But so much of this stuff that we do is innate. And it feels natural, right? The way we react to things, the way we respond to things feels natural. So that means we have to practice doing things different. And so when you get all of this information, really taking time to put it into practice, really taking time to say, okay, I've, heard, I've learned this. Now let me take a few weeks, a month, two months. You don't have to jump right into the next book, right? You don't have to jump right into the next chapter. What do you need to, to take time and pause on so that you can start to practice these things and you can see a shift happening in your life? Yeah, which I, I will tell you, I am an information... Same. Poor. Same. <laughs> 
things around social media or posting, and, and guess who doesn't post? <laughs> right. and it's the thing, right? Which I think is like, it's not just with reading books because this happens in therapy also. It, it, so oh, I yeah. think part of it is like knowing where you're at in your willingness to change because you know some of us are still in that contemplating phase right like i know i have to change but i'm not necessarily ready you know like to fully change and so being aware of where you're at in your process yeah. um, and being honest with yourself because that's the thing i think the other part is that depending on where you are in your process we want the really shiny toys so to yep. speak, like we want the real transformative experiences. We want to go in and it's like, I want to come in, go in and, and experience just, ooh, I come out fully healed, right? Mm -hmm. I've been mm -hmm. there, you know, like that's me. Definitely. <laughs> right? And, and the reality is a lot of this stuff is not that sexy, right? Like it is about these, like, small moderate changes uh most of the time right it's about like doing like this work that it's just like when you're you're saying well i want to i want my physical health to be somewhere else right so i'm gonna do the you know the 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 30 day shred and i'm gonna do the juicing for like a month where it's like okay, right, right but you know what the consistency and the everyday choices is what really makes a difference in the long run so mm -hmm. I think that's what what happens you know it's like we get this information we get this information and i, I, I i'm speaking for myself because i've been there like i said and it's like i want that one piece of information that's going to be transformative right like what mm -hmm. is the one thing that one practice that, one thing one ritual like that i'm going to be like a new person and i have learned that's just not how it works that's not to say that there's not transformative experiences that's not to say that there's not deeper levels of healing that you may need but overall, it is those consistent, everyday, tending to yourself changes, yeah. or rather practices that make the difference. So yes, apply the information that you're learning. <laughs> um, I got like, a little fuzzy, so don't mind me. Um, the mind other me. thing I would say is like, talking to other people is very healing. Now, that being said, we don't want to just be that one friend who right. is always talking about their problems and um you know to be fair like it's it's a lot for people if they are regularly hearing this and there isn't progress right like and we've said this before your friends are not your therapists <laughs> like talking to your friends can be therapeutic um i recently saw a meme that it's like um what's it say like um uh, Okay, I'm betraying it. But at the end, it's like, and sometimes talking to my friends, I need to talk to my therapist after that, right? Like, so that's not to say you can't go to people for support, because we certainly encourage that. But when it is like, I am trying to process my trauma, like our friends yeah. can't do that for us. And, and, and because therapy is more than just talking, right? Like we said this all the time, you're not just coming in and talking, like we are trained, we are trained to help people make change, right? Like there's an art to this. And we also are able to offer you a process, introduce you to a new process on how you get to that change. That being said, talking to others, healing in community, um, 
that is there is healing. It's so funny because I always feel like we have the same brain because I literally wrote down three in my last one. I'm gonna get to it, but it's basically what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> we still have brains. Yeah, there there is healing in that. So what I would say is be proactive. Like start like a group. Like start like a group either with your friends or find yep. a group of other like a support group or other people where it's like you know mental mental health brunch right like uh, me and my right. uh, me and my friends we're gonna go do our mental health brunch where we're talking about our stressors we're giving tips on what we um sort of uh, do ourselves in order to get there or oh, i've been there before this is what i did da, 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 da. so that everybody's on the same accord and everybody is consenting right like everybody is consenting yeah. like this is what that is because I, I mean i have I have some of the most healing conversations with some of my friends when we go to when we go to do brunch and we're talking about all the things you know about all the things I mm -hmm. leave feeling lighter I leave feeling uplifted so the trick is make sure your friends know that that's what you're doing right right I think it, it like I said I feel like we share a brain because I literally like you know, group therapy one is a thing where it's a little bit cheaper than going to individual therapy because there's more than one person. So that might be something that might be more in your budget for it to be, um, you know, 20 to $30 a week versus $120 a week. But along with that is finding safe spaces. I think so many times for black and brown people, we struggle to find safe spaces. We go to work with people that don't look like us or we have to like put on our masks and, and do the um, code switching to work. And with our family, like, yeah, there is certain people we might be close to, but a lot of times our trauma starts with our family. So that means I can't necessarily go here to talk to them. With our friends, we have people that love us and care about us, but they're only rooting for us. They're not giving us accountability as much as we may need. And so it is sometimes about group therapy or finding those safe spaces. And I think about me and Lisa both were a part of the Women's Earth here in Houston. And it is not therapist led. It's literally a group of brown and black women that get together and share their experiences and talk about different topics and have this safe space to cry and, and be vulnerable and have accountability and people to say, well, have you thought about this and all of that? And so looking for those types of resources in your community, looking for, or, or creating, as Elisa said, creating those types of communities in your area, right? Deciding, I'm, I'm an introvert and I always say as an introvert, I struggle sometimes to go to certain events because I like to sit by myself and not talk to anybody. <laughs> If, if me and Elisa throw events, I know I got to walk around and talk to everybody, right? Or it becomes a lot easier because you're going to come talk to me, right? So when you start to host things that you know you need, then you may get, you know, that type of healing or at least starting that journey. And then they also can help you with the process of finding other resources that you need at the time as well. So definitely being in community, creating safe spaces or finding safe spaces where you can have these vulnerable conversations where not only is it about being vulnerable, but it's also about the accountability as well. Is right. So, right, right, yeah. yeah. That's, yes, and uh, you know, I think again, it's it's about like there are resources out there. There are resources out there, and sometimes we're hesitant to take advantage of those resources, especially if you're introverted, right? Um, but there are. I mean, I, it, it, if you're not at the point where you're ready to show up and be around with a bunch of strangers. There's a lot of on online groups uh, as well that you can access. Um, online support groups that, again, depending on where you're at in your journey, can be just what you need. So, all right, yeah. we'll give you some questions. Are y'all still with us? Please um, feel free.
free to, to send us a message. If you have a message, we'll be happy to answer any questions you have. Or if you yourself have some resources or practices that you practice in order to care for your mental health, we want to hear about it. So drop it in the comments. Let us know that you're here. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And again, if you have questions, just uh, submit it in the questions. But the other thing that I would say that I've had to really learn this myself as well, and I think this is so true in particular for Black and Brown women, is that we are like our tolerance for pain, especially emotional pain, is really really high, right? And that is because we we are given the message that to be strong is associated with being able to tolerate high levels of pain and you just keep it moving and you just kind of like keep going forward right and so i think because of that inherently we can tolerate a lot of distress so one thing that i've had to learn to do especially like because i say this all the time therapists need therapy too so my own therapist has given me has highlighted this to me in that like you're waiting till your stress level is up here before you actually start caring for your mental health, right? Like, and then by the time you're up here, by the time we're up here, that's when you're more likely to do the coping mechanisms or address your stress in not the most helpful ways, right? Right. So what I've had to learn to do, and this is something that I, I recommend to people, is start addressing the stress as it's coming along, right? And to be able to really look at the stressor, like, is this a stressor that I can really do something about, right? Like, what can I do about the stressor? Because some stressors, you know, I can't get rid of my kids. <laughs> they are here. <laughs> they are here. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I can't completely, you know, like, alleviate that stressor, but you know, how am I coping with the stress of parenting on, on, on right. a lower level? And so that's what I would suggest is like, and that requires a lot of awareness as to what you're feeling. So checking in with yourself throughout the day, like, how do I know that I'm stressed, right? Like, so for me, I start to like clench my jaw and, you know, I'm starting to feel tight. My heart might be beating faster. Mm -hmm. So I, I have to slow down. Okay, I need to get grounded. What do I need in this moment? And and then going to the basics, because again, some of this stuff is not super sexy. It's just like the right. basics. So, right. do I need to take a break? Do I need to stretch? Do I need to eat my lunch? Do I need some water? What do I do? So I would say address the stressor on a when it's still manageable, right? Mm -hmm. And again, this this can be hard if you have a really high tolerance for distress because you may not even be aware that you're stressed you may not even right. call it stress you may just be like oh i have you know some neck pain or my back is a little tight right right, right. so becoming more aware of even the physical signs that your body is saying like hey i need a break and for yeah. me um when my body is feeling tense in any way it's feeling contracted. There's, con you know, constriction. Um, that's an indicator that I'm that I'm 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 on edge, right? Because when we are able to be in a more relaxed state, our bodies open up. Right. 
Right. So right. sometimes just even doing that, being very intentional about opening up my body helps to alleviate some of the um, physical sensations of stress. Yeah. And I think what you're saying is how do you continue to say, um, basically what you said earlier, I wrote it down, the ongoing monitoring, right? How do you continue to stay um, aware of like what's going on internally, what's going on externally? Are you just going through life and not paying attention? Or are you creating awareness around yourself, around your body and around what's happening in your life? Because when we just kind of go through life, that's when we do end up like, oh my God, everything is so much. It becomes like we're already at a 10 because we didn't notice when we were at two, three, four, and five because we're so used to just being stressed, right? We're just so used to having that. And so really making it very clear that I want to stay aware, making it very clear that I need to be checking in with my body. I need to be checking in with what's going on in my life on a regular basis, as opposed to only tuning in when things feel like they're getting out of hand, right? And so I think that's extremely important that we do, we continue this ongoing monitoring. Yeah. If you are just joining us, we are Elisa Bokeen and... <laughs> Ebony Harris. And we are Melanin and Mental Health, and we are kicking off BIPOC Mental Health Month. We are talking today, what happens if I can't afford therapy? What? I'm just supposed to ignore my mental health? No. So we've been giving you all some tips on what you can start to do to care for your mental health if you don't have access to therapy. Um, and so, you know, I think one of the things that you just said, Ebony, is, is that I think is so important for us to remember also is that some of us take pride in tolerating a lot of distress, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's hard because I think this, this culture also like the society that we're in, it celebrates tolerance of distress. It celebrates like you keep going, you know, you know, mm -hmm. push through it, ignore that, no pain, no gain, that type of BS. Right, right. And that is harmful to us. That's harmful to us, especially harmful to black and brown folks, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I think so much of this is unlearning, rewiring, and understanding that, no, I don't have to take pride in pushing, pushing, pushing. Um, one of my favorite people, like uh, organizations that talks about this is the NAP ministry. Um, mm -hmm. And I love the messages that she puts forth about rest right like we hey. need to be able to take pride and celebrate our ability to rest right and if we're not creating opportunities for us to rest this world is not going to create it for us so we have mm -hmm. to be proactive about um resting so all right so yes. let's look at some of these questions did you have another tip no, that was all I okay, had. I was going to say, I remember you said we had like the same one. So let's look at some of these comments, some of these questions. Again, if you do have questions, uh, we're going to answer them and then we're going to log off. So this is your opportunity to drop us a question if you have one or um, some sort of suggestion or if you want to share a practice that you do that helps you maintain your mental health, um, you know, at the optimum level, we'd love to hear from you. So yes, social work for schools. Resilience is seen as a com compliment. I've had to be really intentional about not using this word. <laughs> mm. uh, yes, yes. What were you, you going to say? Mm -hmm. no, well, I was thinking about, uh, I also, that is, especially resilience is, is one of the words that's kind of like, I'll, I might use it, but then I also backdoor it with that does not mean that this is a good thing. Right, just because you've learned how to be resilient. Also, with some younger, like when I work with um, 
young women who are very mature, right? You're 18, mm -hmm. 19, 20, you're extremely mature. And I'm like, but that's not because um, that, it's not supposed to be a good thing. Like you should be able to have some immaturity. You're 18 years old. You should yes. not have to have had the experiences that you've had to take care of everyone else, to make sure right. the family ran and the household ran and things like that. That's not something that you should have to experience at 18. So there are these words that we take as positive um, that aren't always as positive, right? Most of the times when I see young women that are extremely mature or resilient, that means they've, they've dealt with a lot of trauma. Right. They've right. dealt with education at a very young age. They were 12 years old taking care of all of their younger siblings, right? And didn't get to have those teenage years. So we do have to be mindful of the language that we use and how we give this like positive connotation to like, oh yeah, you've had a hard life, but look at where you are now. That's so great. And it's like, is it great though? Right, is it? right, right. Is it great that I had to go through that to get here? And 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 yes, I, I think about that when I hear people say, you know, or when you meet somebody, you're like, oh, you're an old soul. And that is because I was exposed to so many things <laughs> before I was ready to really process it. Like I was still a child. And right, so I, right. I, I do think that there is power in us reframing our experiences and to be able to say, okay, well, this is where I am and still be able, because that's the thing. I think we get so stuck in this all or nothing thinking right? to still be a able to acknowledge the trauma that I had to endure in order to get here, right? And, and why that's important is because if I acknowledge it, then I can also make sure that I'm doing what I need to do to heal from that trauma, right? So I think I think it's but and, right? But and. Right, right. Exactly. So, all right. So, yes, resilience. Um, yes, the strong black woman. Right. Um, so, do you have any advice on working with help seeking rejecting clients? Help seeking rejecting clients. I thought that question. I wasn't 100% sure what that meant. Yeah. See if you can clarify, Chris. I, I think what I. I kind of hear that as in grad school, we hear about the resistant clients, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. the way that I see it, I, I think people, again, they are where they're at in their journey. And the way that I, when I'm working with a client and they come in, I'm going to ask them like, so what do you want to get from this process? What is it that you need, right? And especially like when we're struggling in session, I have to do this for myself with my own therapy is if I'm going into a session, I have to say, okay, what do I really need to get from today's session, right? And so sometimes, you know, helping a client to really have clarity around that, like, so what is, what would make today's session really helpful to you? But, you know, I, it, it's difficult because it depends on where the client's at. Like, are they resistant or is there other stuff going on, right? And, um, so yeah, that's kind of my take on it. Yeah. I I think similar, that's what I was kind of thinking. Like, I guess she's speaking to clients that come to therapy that aren't necessarily doing the work or, or don't necessarily, um, they seem like they're not really ready to go maybe deep or whatever it's going to be. And I've definitely had clients like that. And sometimes the, the conversation just centers around that. We just stay there of, okay, I know you come every single week and I know, you know, this, you make this a priority. You make sure that you're here every week, but when we're in session, it feels as though, you know, there's a, there's a limit of where we can go. And so um, definitely kind of centering the conversation around that and around the safety and like not needing to go deeper or not wanting to deal with emotions. And oftentimes what I found is they, they're concerned that if they do go to the space of like 
going deeper or talking about emotions or sitting in that, they may not come out of it. And there's some fear there. So that's kind of what um, I've seen as it. She said, yes, clients who seek tips, advice that are may not be ready to change and fall into some of the patterns. Yeah. Marina, patient and I frustrated as a, as a therapist. Yes, I would do more work around um, the safety in not changing, right? Because oftentimes we know we need to, but it's so scary. And so it, it becomes difficult for us to want to, or it becomes difficult to know what the outcome could be. And it's, it's more comfort in like what I know right now and what's happening right now. So how do you, as Elisa said, kind of meet them where they are and help them work through whatever fears around what change means and, and maybe the safety in staying where they are. Yeah. And I, I always go back to um, a couple of things. One, it's honoring where people are at, right? Like if I'm getting frustrated, yeah. or I've, like one, that means I'm working too hard in the sense of why am I more invested in the change? And what do I perceive the change is that you need to make, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. So I, I, I really go back to, again, what does the client need? Honoring where they're at. And I think the other thing is it is easy to think a client's not doing the work, but we don't know what level of work was necessary for them to even show up, right? Yep. Like we don't know, yep. like we don't know what level of vulnerability, what level of intention it takes for them to just even show up to session. So, uh, so I think it's that it's, I, I just always kind of see it as like me walking alongside them and kind of highlighting, Hey, have you considered this? Have you seen this? Have you noticed this? And then, you know, following their lead so I hope that helps yeah um, and, I, and I completely understand also being in session sometimes I know I feel like we're moving from the topic that we were yeah. at but uh I completely understand being in session and like the person the, the client is just not necessarily talking or giving a lot but that's when I start going into like helping them you know having activities for them to kind of understand more about their past understand more about their patterns and you know like already coming into session with stuff that can kind of help them if they're not ready to really move forward, then let's kind of sit where we are. Let's talk about assessing stress levels. Let's talk about self-care. Let's talk, you know, like having things already in place to do, to do because sometimes they don't, you know, they come in there just like, I just want, I'm just here. And this is just, I'm, this is how I'm showing up for myself today. And maybe I don't have a clear direction or a clear path, you know, yeah. so. And I just want to make a disclaimer. We are not supervisors. So, so uh, yeah, because I saw another question come through and I'm like, this is about boarding therapy, but you know. <laughs> Let's see what else we have here. I think I saw um, somebody was, somebody said, this is confirmation. This session was confirmation. We love to hear it. Awesome. Um, okay. More comments. We appreciate all the comments. Um, da, 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 da. I think I saw another question. Putting it, this puts it in a place of intellectualizing our feelings instead of actually feeling them. Uh, yes. Into, so I think so, so often, like, and I think, I think that this is kind of like the comment around just absorbing information, absorbing information is that there are some problems. There are some challenges that we can't think our way through. Some of them, we have to also feel our way through, right? Like, because again, I think we get stuck in the all or nothing thinking in that it's important to be able to use our minds and to get the information. And then some of this work is really about us working through those difficult emotions, feeling what we yeah. need to 
feel in order to make change. It can't be all one thing, right? Like I can't be all feelings also and just like, oh, you know, always in my emotions. Right, right. That's necessary. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I saw like one more question. Let's see. Um, okay, so this uh, I'm a white therapist working with survivors. I'm concerned with the number of white therapists slash coaches who don't understand their limitations and just say, I can help anyone. <sighs> this. And, and I'm glad you said the conversations. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this may have to be like another live. Um, the, but yeah. And, and, and I will say also, um, not just the not just understanding the limitations, but yeah, feeling like you yeah, I can't formulate my thoughts. Go ahead, Ebony. <laughs> I, I think I know what you're saying. It's, it's the, and, and I I will say white black brown therapists and coaches in general that are are that feel like they can handle everything, right? And and me and Alisa, if you know anything about us, we are very clear on who we work with, right? We're very clear on this is our specialty relationships, couples, Alisa does more trauma than I do, um, sex, things like that, right? We don't work with children, which I thought there was a question around working with teenagers. We don't work with kids, right? That's not, we're, we're not people that work with everyone. I do feel like there is value in being a generalist, but even in that, you understand that this is what I work with. And then when it starts to get very specific, then I need to be able to refer out, right? And so this is why we speak a lot to when, when you're starting your mental health journey, do you know what you want to work on? If it's just, I just need to like have someone that I can sit down and kind of process my week with, process my thoughts with all of that, then it may be a good idea to go through a generalist, go through someone through your insurance that says they kind of work with everyone because you're just processing. If you're moving toward more of the healing, if you're moving toward, I keep having relationship issues and this is specifically where I keep having problems, then you want to go to the specialist therapist, right? You want to go to the therapist that says that this is what their practice is all about. And so, yes, it is concerning sometimes that, that there are therapists that don't, and that's just in any field, right? Everyone doesn't know their limitations. And so this is why we also want to empower, empower clients to be able to say like, nope, this is what I, I need and this is what I'm, I'm wanting help with and it doesn't feel like this is the right fit for me. So I might need to find someone who's actually a specialist in, my, in this area. Um, while, because it's, it's value for both. But sometimes, and, and I think about even as being a therapist, you know, when you were a therapist in training, the thing was you weren't supposed to see everybody, right? You're supposed to get all of the experience. And sometimes that goes into our practice, but eventually you do have to niche and figure out like, what is my interest? Who do I like to work with? And how do I show up for those clients in the best way? Because if I'm showing up for everyone that I'm not really helping specific areas, unless that's literally my practice is, I'm the first stop for people. And then I can refer out when they start to get into the nitty gritty of these specialty areas that they need to be working in. Right, right. Okay. One more question. If y'all don't have any more questions after this, then we're going to log off. Um, yeah. But this one more question is, what's the difference between therapy and coaching? Mm -hmm. you, this one? I'll, you can start it off and then I'll... I'll start it off. Um, so as far as I understand, therapy and coaching, while they kind of can be presented the same way, coaching is more about how do I help you get to a specific place right now, right? They don't necessarily work through um, your past and help you heal or help you really deal with things that may be impacting why you're not able to move forward. It's more of solution focused. It's more of 
We're going to talk about what your goals are. I'm going to give you tasks and things that you can do to kind of hedge, help you get there in a quicker way. Um, but then hopefully when the coaches that I know that are really good, they start to see if you are having a hard time with completing tasks, if you're having areas where it feels like there are blocks, then they'll refer you to a therapist to help you get through those blocks, right? They'll refer you to a therapist because therapists tend to work on, are there deeper things happening that you need to work through? Is there unhealed parts that you need to get help with? Um, are there connections that need to be made between like childhood or previous experiences that is impacting why you're having a hard time moving forward, right? So that's my understanding of the difference in a therapist. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and um, I think it's imp I, like there, I'll be honest with you, for those of you who are not in the mental health field, this is often a <laughs> turn into a turf war, I think. And again, Ebony and I like recognize <laughs> that there are many paths to healing. Now, part of the concerns that the field has with the coaching are just like any other field the unethical practices right like and that's true for the mental health field also so but the thing about coaching is that it's not necessarily regulated in the way that um the therapy field is because we have to answer to the government with <laughs> to keep our licenses so so those are some of the that's one of the differences in terms of the training now that being said that doesn't mean you can't do really valuable work and there are coaches out there that also understand their limitations they're not gonna open up your trauma right okay? right they're not going they're not going to do a lot of processing with you because it is more directive it is more kind of like goal oriented like let's take the steps to get you going over there that you know like the really good ones they know their limitations and they're gonna say i don't do that i'm not a therapist i recommend that you you know work on that with with a therapist in therapy yeah. Um, so as long as you're with somebody who understands their limitations and is doing an ethical, there's, there's a lot to be said that, um, a lot of value in working with a coach. I mean, I, I have friends and, you know, I've worked with coaches in the past around certain specific things. Now, whereas therapy is going to be more of the processing, um, there, there may be more specific, again, processes in order to do some of the rewiring of your brain to right, help you right. heal. Um, and really understanding patterns, right? Yeah. Like as far as relationships and family, all of that stuff goes. Um, now, the other thing is, uh, there are a lot of therapists who also do coaching. There are a lot of therapists who have left the mental, like the therapy field, because the therapy field can be very, very, very limiting in terms of how to support our clients. Um, more of us are introducing um, modalities of healing that maybe in the past would have really been uh, really radical sort of uh, approaches. Like I myself, I incorporate energy healing into some of the work that I do as well. Um, but a lot of people, a lot of therapists have left the field because they find it so limiting in how they can support their clients. Um, so you have some, some coaches who are actually, um, you know, therapists at one time. So they have that, that sort of training as well. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's the biggest difference. Yeah. And again, just like anything else, anybody, any other service you're cert you're researching, get some referrals, um, get some information, some background on what these people, on how these people were trained, and also what are they promising you, right? Yeah. Like, what are they promising you? Like nobody's gonna heal 
completely, you know, in 30 days. <laughs> I do want to, I do want to address the question that was around, even though, like I said, me and Elisa, either Elisa or I, or I, uh, work with teenagers or kids, but in the past, um, I have, and I understand that it is difficult. So the question was, how do you deal with counseling an adolescent who had difficult parent, um, as far yeah. as interfering therapy process? I was going to say that. Let me see where, yeah, I saw that. I was, I was going to say, yeah. I didn't want us to, uh, I was going to say, please feel free. I was just like, I just want to uh, remind people like, right. you, you know, <laughs> I, I love these questions. One, and, and, but I also kind of wanted to keep us on topic, but I wasn't going to come back to that. So go ahead, Ebony. So well, since you were saying that was the last question. Um, yeah. The only thing I was going to say is that a lot of times it boils down to how do you set up your therapy um, process, right? Like how are you setting up the parents and the teens to understand what the process is going to be? Are you having a meeting with both of them to kind of understand like, this it, the need for confidentiality, right? How you're going to make sure that the, the parent stays informed and you will let them know if there's anything that they need to know and make sure that they're involved in the process. Are you having regular ongoing uh, sessions with the parent, right? Maybe not all the time, but every other month, meet with the parent, kind of do a check-in, things like that. How involved are you making sure they're in, they're in the process while also respecting the confidentiality of the team? Um, and a big part of working with teens, which is why I don't do it, is that you can't control their home environment, right? You can't control... Um, they, they have very little control over, they have zero, let me not say very little, they have zero control over their parents <laughs> and what their parents are going to do and how they are and things like that. So oftentimes you are sometimes when working with kids or teenagers, it is the struggle of kind of working against the environment that they're, that they're in and the environment that they have created some of the issues that they are having. And so I do think there's something to be said around just like the, all you can control is your therapeutic process and your sessions and things like that. So how do you make sure that you're setting yourself up with the correct boundaries, with clear boundaries, and with um, making sure that the parents still understand that they're a part of the process, even if they're not um, in there every single week, right? Um, and, and, and even, I, I think, sometimes being clear in if this isn't something that they can um, respect, then maybe you do need to refer them to a family therapist that can work with both of them together or work with the family as a whole if you just are working with adolescents. So those are the things that kind of came up for me when I was reading the question. So one more comment. Um, oh, this is regarding like how many sessions. So especially when clients ask how many sessions are needed. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what <laughs> I do think I will say this, especially like if you're going to therapy or if you're, um, again, using some of the resources that we have talked about. Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. was over session over um <laughs> well, let me take this one <laughs> while we're here that's funny okay so um what i will say to that is um at least have some markers right like even like and you can do this so again if you're not going to therapy you're not going to therapy right but what you can do is you can kind of like measure your own progress, right? Measure your own progress as you're going along the way. So what I mean by that is start off and to, again, where is it that you're trying to get? So how would you know? Like, let's say you're using the books, you're doing the self-help, you're listening to the podcast, you're meeting with your girlfriends or your friends, you know, um, the fellas, whatever. Um <laughs> What what is it? Where is it that you see yourself like in three months? How will you know that you are progressing? How will you know that you're caring for your mental health in in, in in three months? Like, what will be different in your life? 
right? Mm -hmm. Like, how will you know? How will you feel? Okay. And so as you're going along this very intentional journey, like stop and check in with yourself on a weekly basis and say, okay, what, you know, what's different this week? How do I feel? Um, how's my stress level been? So, and you can do this. And if you do decide that you are going to therapy, like ask yourself the same question. What if, you know, three months, four months down the line, I get what I need. This is what I tell my client. I, I ask my clients this all the time. So let's say three months, six months, eight months down the line, how will you know you got what you needed from the yep. process, right? How will you know, um, you know, well, how will you feel? And so this is so important because what I'll regularly do is I'll check in with my clients, right? Like I'll check in with my clients. And, and, and so I will often say, I'm not saying you're going to heal in this many sessions, but if you're doing the work in therapy and outside of therapy, at this point, you should at minimum have this awareness, right? Mm -hmm. But I think we can do that even when we're not working with somebody what should I expect of myself or what, what do I want of myself? Like, let's say at the end of this month, well, right. I want to be able to, um, by that point, I want to be able to cope with that annoying coworker. I want to be able to like leave the office and not think about them and not complain right. about them when I leave the office. Okay, what do I need in order to be able to do that? So have measures and have that clarity of what it is that you're trying to do. Right. All right, right. so I think that's it. Um, me and my lashes are going to go and have... <laughs> me and my lashes are going to go eat because I am hungry. We are hoping that this helped. We are hoping um, that you all enjoyed the, the today's session. We will be back next Monday. My glue will be much stronger than this week's glue. Um, but yeah, we, we really enjoyed this and we hope that you all join us again. Go do something to care for your mental health today. Um, go do something to create some joy for yourself because listen, we need all the joy that we can get. We have to be intentional about creating it. All right, y'all. Uh, Ebony, tell them, what they, how can they stay in touch with us in the meantime? <laughs> follow us across social media, uh, Melanin Mental Health. I saw a few people that jumped on and weren't following us, and they started following us, so we appreciate that. So follow us on Melanin Mental Health everywhere, Melanin Health on Twitter. And head over to MelaninMentalHealth.com if you're looking for a dope therapist. If you are looking to, we have podcasts called Between Sessions Podcast. That's over there as well as our dope merchandise that we have on one of our shirts. Um, and if you want to look at our resource page for other resources outside of therapy, we have that as well. So we really appreciate you and hopefully we'll see you on the next week. Bye y'all. <laughs>